Hi, welcome back to another episode of You the Mother podcast by Abby Williams, a space dedicated to supporting, empowering, and connecting all parents in all seasons of parenthood. You can find more supportive content over on Instagram and TikTok at You the Mother, and be sure to check out the blog over at youthemother.com. You can also reach out to work with me one-on-one, or I just announced our Navigating the Holidays support group for those of us who are estranged, cycle-breaking, or navigating hard family stuff this holiday season. The first holiday I spent estranged from my family, I felt so broken and so alone, and I feel like it stole joy from the holiday season with my own children. I don't want that for any of you. And so I really hope to see you in support group where we will be navigating through these hard things together, gaining tools and understanding how to better identify and communicate our boundaries. Space is limited, so make sure that you hurry on over and sign up. Um, The link will be in the description of this podcast. And in today's episode, I'm welcoming on Dr. Tanya Kotler to discuss intergenerational trauma and what it means to be a cycle breaker. Dr. Tanya is a clinical psychologist who specializes in reproductive and maternal mental health and parent-child attachment. As both a child and an adult psychologist, she is uniquely able to understand and relate to parents and their children. Dr. Tanya's clinical work is supported by her doctoral research and thesis focused on the primary attachment relationship formed between a child and their parent and the role it plays in a child's emotion regulation, ability to connect, and feelings and thoughts about themselves and others. In today's episode, we learn why the attachment between a child and their parent is important, how trauma gets passed down, and how we can break these cycles and heal ourselves. This is such an important conversation, and I am so thankful that Dr. Tanya joined me to have it. Make sure to go find Dr. Tanya over on Instagram at Dr. Kotler or on her website, tanyakotlerphd.com. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started in supporting you, the mother. Dr. Tanya, welcome back to the podcast. We are you, the mother now. You were on on a previous season of the Mimosas with Moms podcast with me, where we talked about the good enough mother, and it was such an important conversation. So if you haven't listened, go check out that one. But Dr. Tanya, welcome back. I'm so excited that you're here. Tell me, listeners who haven't catched up on the last episode a little bit about yourself. I'm so excited to be back. So thank you, Abby. So you can find me, I'm Dr. Cutler, and you can find me on Instagram. I have kind of a two-pronged hat, I'd like to think of it. I'm both a child psychologist and an adult psychologist, and I really specialize in the parent-child attachment bond. And usually the parent-child attachment bond, not just the one that's in front of us, you know, maybe the mother or father or parent is listening, but also the one you have with the parents that came before you, your own parent, your grandparents, your ancestral patterns. So the generations of parenting that we carry within us, Mm -hmm. as well as the one we might be living right now. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking about this intergenerational stuff, 
particularly intergenerational trauma. We're going to be talking about some cycle breaker stuff. Um, and these are big buzzwords in our society right now, I think, especially the cycle breaker word. We're hearing this all over the place. I feel like a lot of parenting accounts are talking about it, which is awesome. But some of us might not know what these words mean. So Dr. Tanya, can you help us? What do these words mean? So let's start with, I think one of the reasons we may not know what it means or might have a hard time getting our head around it is because it's really hard to get your head around. Yeah. Um, When we're referring to to complex trauma and complex intergenerational trauma, Mm -hmm. we're referring to almost that intersection that exists between nature and nurture in parenting. So very often when I read some of these accounts, what I'll see is talking about the more conscious parenting you received that you're now, you know, replaying or recreating forms of it in your parenting your children. That is part of it. You know, the nurture aspects of how you were parented, what you may not have received. But it's also a nature aspect, meaning we now know with science that we actually have imprinting, genetic imprinting that can be carried through generations of trauma. So trauma that your ancestors may have gone through, personal, social, political, cultural, racial trauma Mm -hmm. can be imprinted genetically on their nervous system and passed to you. So you may carry that in your nature before we even add in the aspects of nurture and how that you know, merges with the nature aspect. So it's really important to understand that, especially when we talk probably later, hopefully on the healing or the treatment. If we understand that it lives in the body, not only the mind, then that's going to be really important when we talk about treatment. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and that's probably where cycle breaking comes in, right? Is picking up those pieces and healing those pieces that are inside that are being passed down from generation to generation. I'm curious, um, I guess, and this is maybe a personal question. When a mother has more than one children, one child, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are all the children predisposed to the same genetic makeup? Do they all inherit this differently or the same? What's going on here? So that's a really, really great question. And, you know, it depends if we're talking about the epigenetic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the genetic aspect or the epigenetic aspect, the nature, you know, what yeah. is their imprinting look like? Yeah. And then what are you contributing with each child, each child on a nurture mm-hmm. basis? They're, mm-hmm. they're very hard to parse. It's going to be really hard to yeah. parse that apart. And we're not there yeah. yet to completely parse apart, you know, an actual gene specific completely to be able to look at it that way. What I think we're getting at is how we may parent our children differently and how maybe temperamental traits in some of our children may trigger certain parts of our own nervous system activation. And so I may, in response as a mother to one of my kids, have a tendency to be more activated with that child, maybe to get me more short fused with that child because something about that child and me it's not just that child that's a mistake we make a lot it's me and that child it's uh, it's our dynamic together it's what i have in me they have in them and how it intersects together and how they respond and then i respond right it's a sort of a song and dance the short answer to that is no it's not going to look the same with every child 
just as when you think back to your parenting, I hear this a lot as a therapist, but my siblings, how come my sister, how come my brother, my brother doesn't remember my mother like that. Yes, that is possible. Uh, Both because how she was with each of you, mother or father, might have been different, but also how you recalled it, how you processed it, how you dealt with it is actually what we define as trauma. So something I say to my patients a lot is that we really have to remember, this sounds really simple, but it's inordinately complex, that trauma isn't the objective thing always that occurred. It's the wound it created inside you. It's how you felt about it. It's how you made sense about it. Now that's really empowering because if it was only the objective thing that cre- that happened, you can't change the thing. If it's the wound that you, how you felt about it, you can, that's malleable, that's movable, that's shiftable, right? It's how I coped with it and how I need to learn to cope with stress now that reminds me of that going forward. That's easier. So the wound you may have created might be different than the wound your sibling created. Right. No, and I definitely, and I can see that and like, I guess with my siblings Mm -hmm. and you know how we had a very different mother, (laughs) you know, we had the same mother, but very, very different experiences. And that's very evident to me. Um, But now in my own parenting journey, I can tell you which child activates like or triggers more than the others, right? I have to be very intentional with one of them more so because I can tell like what comes up for me. Like I have to work so hard (laughs) over here where like this personality type is just easier, right? This child just kind of goes with the flow and Mm -hmm. doesn't push up against things. And, you know, it's not that one is better than the other. You just have to show up differently and do different work with different ones. <laughs> but how important that is, that yeah. consciousness, right? Yeah. That first yeah. step is that consciousness yeah. because one yeah. of the things with, with intergenerational trauma, why it's kind of just being cast out of the shadow, so to speak, which mm-hmm. is so great, is that the key of it is often the shame and therefore the yeah. silencing yeah. of it, the unnameable, yeah. unspeakable. Very often you'll have the child that was the speaker or the mm-hmm. namer that will be the one that may have held on to it more, whereas others may have pushed it to the depths of their bodies, yeah. to their feet and their hips, um, yeah. anywhere it could go and are less conscious of it. And only in healing work we may discover, oh, that really affected me. That was really painful. Yeah. And so sometimes we have to remember that those who are more conscious is good and yeah. it's that they are naming and speaking and we need to start there. Without that, none of the work can be done. Yeah, I'm the speaker in my family. It's hard. If you're listening and you're the speaker, (laughs) it is so important. It's a cycle breaker is usually the speaker. But it is really hard, you know, and it's like isolating at times and it's lonely and it's really, really hard work what you people are doing. You know, I see you guys. Um, I guess like let's kind of talk about how this gets passed down from generation to generation, Um, you know, like... Maybe this was our great-grandparents' trauma, and then our mothers were parented a certain way, and they experienced trauma, and then they parented you, (laughs) you know, and, like, that there was never any addressing, because I think that we're in a generation now, you know, Gen X, um, millennials, these generations that are parenting right now, I think that we're this 
movement of Cycle Breaker. We know more research has been done. We are more educated. um, And we just have more information available, which I think is amazing. But now, so we have all of this, but I don't know, I guess like why wasn't this known or how did this get passed down, right? Well, one way I, you know, I was just talking about the the silencing, you know, and as one of the reasons we don't talk about it or know more about it and Mm -hmm. that the way we start to figure it out is by going on our own healing journey, right? One of the reasons it can continue to get passed is a lack of consciousness. It may be the minimizing of what happened to me. So if you know your generational or ancestral story, um, an example being, you know, a third generation Holocaust survivor saying, you know, well, my great grandparent was in a concentration camp. It didn't happen to me. You know, that was his trauma. whatever I'm feeling that's sort of, you know, my mom couldn't handle or tolerate my big feelings. Like that's not a big deal. Um, What he went through is a big deal. So one reason it can get passed and, and mom probably felt that way too, Mm -hmm. is a shutting down of one's needs of one's pains because of feeling like the one before you was bigger harder. That was the trauma. Mine is not right. So that's, that's one. Another reason it gets passed is almost a protectiveness over the ancestor. Uh, Sometimes particularly if they're deceased, Mm -hmm. there's a, a not, not wanting to know there's an unknowing of the pain that was caused both because it brings shame. It brings shame because you are connected next of kin, but it brings shame because you want to hold them sometimes in positive way in your mind. You don't want to know it. Mm-hmm. Another reason it can get past is a hopelessness, a feeling that it will never get better. Um, so what's the point? If they're deceased, I can never repair it with them. If the relationship is res- estranged, the idea that I could only repair it if I was actually you know, in family therapy. And right. so a what's the point attitude. And a right. lot of them will hover all around a lack of consciousness or a desire to push away. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, one way you know that is it possible I hold within my body trauma from the past Yeah, will be you'll see this. You'll see it in ego defenses or in avoidance. You will do a lot of things to try to avoid pain. You'll be somebody yeah. who, whether that's addictions, compulsive yeah. behavior, just fear of big, bad, hard feelings mm-hmm. will be a sign actually often that you are trying to push away something that is very much held in your body, that maybe there are generational patterns that you don't want to know. And if you're hearing this and going, oh, I do that, come to that with self-compassion. Of yeah. course, um, yeah. nobody wants to feel or face that degree of pain. Why? Yeah. Well, going back to it's really overwhelming and scary. If yeah. we live a life of chronic activation, which is another sign, you lie in bed and you're reeling and you feel like you're constantly overwhelmed and you feel like you can never catch up in life and your nervous system feels always heightened. That's another sign. Well, if we live like that, the irony is we'll also be attracted to that. Mm -hmm. So we'll continue to find chaos and build chaos in our life because while it's something we're trying to escape, it's also familiar to us. 
And so we will keep falling back in it. It's unconscious, repetitive, engaging in relationships that are unhealthy, patterns of behavior that are unhealthy. So that too becomes a sign for you, but also a way it gets past because it's, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to tease yourself away from it. And then that returns to this hopelessness. Well, then I can never get out of it. Um, So again, I'm more likely to pass it. If we apply that to an example, to simplify this, you know, it can be someone who carries, I'll I'll stick with the the example I already used, a third generation Holocaust survivor, grandfather who went through the concentration camp, married, had a child, and was forever fearful of losing loved ones, lost his whole family. forever fearful of losing loved ones, never maybe allowed himself to fully connect, maybe developed maladaptive behaviors to cope with it, severe, intense pain, uh, drank a lot, yelled every once in a while, and otherwise withdrew. Now, daughter of this man is experiencing a lack of connection, scared, fearful, something bad is going to happen at any moment, heightened nervous system, both genetically transmitted, but now it's also occurring in my day to day. Yeah, I'm not feeling seen. I'm not feeling heard. I'm not feeling safe. His version of it might have been more real on a on a one kind of objective level. But remember, we're not considering it from that level. We're considering it from the internalized version where her version is really real. Her day to day life, the person who is her parent, who she loves, who she needs, can't see her, is tormented by his own experience and so she now has that and she grows up and has a child yeah and her child when she has that little baby she feels terrified I can't take care of this baby I'm afraid of losing this baby now we can add in all kinds of circumstances maybe she had trouble having this baby maybe Mm -hmm. she had a birth trauma on top of it and so she too now shuts down in her connection to this baby and is flat and this baby looks at her and she cannot connect And maybe she too engages in behaviors now, just like her grandfather. Maybe her mother didn't. She now does to try to shut it off. When this baby is overwhelmed and crying, she feels totally shut down. The shutting down response might be one that has got passed down from generation to generation. This isn't going to look the same in every story, right? Shutting down is a version. Think of fight, flight, freeze. Fight will be aversion. Flight will be aversion. Freeze will be aversion of how it may have got passed down. The version might just be what you learn to feel in your body and so on and so forth. Right. Right. Because I think like, you know, my response and my mother's response are different. You know, I think that we have the same thing going on, but our responses are very opposite. Which is why it's so hard to simplify in an example. Right, right, right. Because it's actually inordinately complex. Right, Um, right. If it was so simple to just identify it, we'd be like, okay, so this is the one thing that I do, (laughs) the one thing she did, the one thing he did, so I just got to treat that. So I just got to cut this out and then we'll all be healed, I know. (laughs) I wish it was not complicated and simple like that, right? Because I think that the cycle breaker work is so complicated and so complex and really hard. And you really have to lean in and the self-awareness, you know, that it takes is just a lot. Um, And so like speaking of like, I guess like kind of let's talk about the cycle breaker part. Um, And I want to kind of go back to when you were talking about 
um, the person, the speaker that is aware, that is self-aware, that understands, that sees it, right? And they're like, okay, this stops with me. But let's kind of talk about, I guess, like the people that maybe went through childhood or young, young adult life, like, oh, no, childhood was fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Maybe you have some of these not great things that you've picked up along the way, but they're serving you. So they seem fine. You know, like for me, I was overachiever. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just like work myself to death. But like that was serving me and it was great. And it got me through grad school and young single mm-hmm. mom life. Um, but then at some point it stopped serving me. Mm -hmm. You start having more kids who are pressing some of these trigger buttons and you're like, what the heck, where's all this coming from? And now all the stuff that I've stuffed down to my feet is coming up. Mm -hmm. What do we kind of say to those people, I guess, that are entering into motherhood? Like, no, I'm a wonderful adapted person in society and now I have these tiny people who are triggering me what the heck is going on how do we help them kind of lean into hey maybe things weren't great because I think like that can be kind of jarring or shocking right but now you're just I have to go back and deal with this and it's it's a lot I think like that would be overwhelming very overwhelming and very scary and you know in your we can use your example right I, it has served me a lot of the patterns we will develop to cope with chronic stress. We call them maladaptive, but let's be careful. Some of them may appear quite adaptive, like we'll use yours overworking, um, Mm -hmm. or even just working a lot (laughs) take away the word over, right? It's, it will get you through a lot. You'll get a lot yeah. of positive reinforcement for it. Yeah. But when we're talking about maladaptive, we need to be talking about how it feels inside you, right? The exhaustion, the fatigue, and going back to the primary one, I said mm-hmm. the avoidance aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I'm chronically working me. and chronically working <laughs> and chronically working yeah. to not feel, yeah. right? And so for the person who's listening and going, oh, I think I might do that in a way mm-hmm. that actually has also served me, that's the complication. Of course it served you. That was your resilience. That was your adaptive. That's what makes it so hard to change. There will be aspects of it that have served you, but there will be other parts of you that are really truly suffering, that are not feeling enough just being, that need to run. It's a flea response. Need to run away from something. Yeah. If you're noticing that, know that I guess, how do we begin this work? Obviously, I'm going to be a little bit, you know, not totally partial here. Um, impartial, I mean, uh, therapy, therapy, ideally, but I am aware it's of the access. changed my life, yeah. The, the access issue is one mm-hmm. that we need to really name. That is yeah. not accessible to everyone. Right. If it's accessible to you, trauma-informed therapy, yeah. just therapy may not be sufficient because it's very particular therapy it is work that is very hard to do alone you need the nervous system and the kind of lending nervous system lending ego of the of the therapist to help you through this there's also the aspect of knowing not being enough as we said before the conscious awareness the mental the mind work of therapy is actually not enough many times people have said to me Well, you know, I can do therapy, uh, but like, it's not enough. No, it isn't actually. And we now know that. And that's the piece of, you know, the somatic therapy 
the body oriented work that is really important. And so if you're someone entering this, sometimes I say if all you can muster is beginning to get your head around, I have a chronically activated nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to develop a routine around trying to ground, settle and return my nervous system briefly, moments, not all the time to a state of safety. And what's that going to look like? We all breathe. We're living, breathing human beings, consciously and intentionally developing a breathwork practice every morning before anybody else wakes up. Going to someone who's a trauma-informed body therapist, whether that's yoga, Yoga, learning, you know, there's so much access online now, finding somebody who will lead you through a mindfulness meditation and becoming a little bit more aware of the places in your body you may hold your tension. You know, I said all the way to my feet, probably that's my spot, right? uh, My left foot is where I have held a lot of my life's pain. Learning where you hold it is actually super, super important. Learning to do progressive relaxation muscle work around that. And so, yes, the big talking about it and the creating, you know, mapping, family mapping around the the story and building that narrative and understanding how it traces back is hugely important. The insight aspect of the work and the feeling held, heard, seen, known in your story. However, if that's, I can't do that yet. You know, there's a screaming baby and I just, all I know is the screaming baby's shaking a whole lot of shit up inside me. Yeah. Okay, let's start with a routine of regulating that nervous system. You yeah. can't just do it when that baby's shaking it all up. You need right. to do it all the time, every day. And I know what a big ask that is. Yeah. I'm a mother of three mm-hmm. and I hold stuff inside me. It's a huge ask to say yeah. I'm going to do that. But it is probably the first step if everything else feels overwhelming is beginning to orient in your body and learning to train your body to regulate, to yeah. ground in safety. Most people will find that very hard alone if they store trauma in their body. And so finding a calming podcast, a calming meditation where the voice actually is bringing online the social activation and social connection part because even the sound of their voice is helping you is really important. You'll feel less alone in that yeah. breath work if you do yeah. it that way. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, this calming your nervous system, especially while parenting alongside these tiny people is one of the greatest gifts that you can give them. Mm. You know, I think that when we show up, you know, for myself, I can speak. um, When I show up activated, you're not showing up as the mommy you want to. Mm. Um, You know, your patience isn't there. Maybe you're yelling, you know, and then at the end of that, you feel like the bad mom, right? And in our last episode, we talked a lot about this uh, with Dr. Tanya. So you have to go back and listen to the good enough mom um, and the importance of the repair, you know, and I think that that's a huge piece of the cycle breaker, you know, kind of movement that we're in right now is leaning into that I'm not going to be this perfect mom, that we have these messy parts that we're healing and growing alongside of our children, but I'm going to show up different. 
I'm going to keep trying hard. I'm going to give myself compassion and I'm going to repair and I'm going to apologize to my children and I'm going to model all these things for them so that this next generation knows what to do, you know? Sometimes I invite my kids into some of this breath work with me. Like, mommy is feeling a little overwhelmed right now. You know, I need to take a break, you know, but I've got tiny people that don't give you that break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, when they're little, they don't know. They're not respecting your boundaries of like, hey, I need 10 minutes. They're like, well, I'm one and two years old. I'm not doing that. Right. So like, come like, sit with mom, let's do some breaths and we trace our hand or, you know, we do like some kind of breathing. But I think, you know, what kind of, what things are we teaching our kids here is just really powerful that, you can have these stressful moments and you can move through them. And Abby, it's making me think that how much, you know, it's almost as though our first podcast recording together can fall better in line second to this one. Right. I think so too. Because really, really one of the things that so many of us who are trying to go through cycle breaking work find the most challenging is the overwhelming aspect of it oh it's so big how am I going to do that I'm going to end up passing this on you know Dr. Cutler just said it's imprinted (laughs) on my nature so like ah and it does feel like that it does and And I've done a ton of therapy and I still feel like that and that's why I'm returning it to something simple not to oversimplify or vanilla it at all right um it's inordinately complex and and big and the wound is strong and heavy Mm -hmm. and multifaceted and dark and pointy and the breath can soften the edges. And so, you know, bringing your awareness, your consciousness to the idea that this is an ever changing, ever evolving work that you're going to do. And that's simply your consciousness going back full circle to the start of this recording is an improvement because Mm -hmm. you're moving it out of the shadows. You're moving it into the nameable and speakable. And that's already the work. And that's already the gift to your child. already you're gonna have moments of reactivity you're gonna have moments lots of them of hyper activated by your child where you're going to do go i just you know transmitted i'm just was a yes you were and then in the next moment listen to the other podcast you will repair that yeah and that will be what's different than the generation before you yeah my life would be completely different right now if i had a parent who would apologize yeah or who Who had any level of like (laughs) self-awareness yeah Yeah. you know I like I think my life would be completely different it's a huge huge piece so I hope that whoever is listening is taking hope from this rather than hopelessness that's what I want to be offering you it's a wound not an objective reality so you can it's malleable you can rework it yeah and you know I show up messy all the time mamas and That repair piece is, I think, equally as healing and important as showing up as the regulated mother all the time. You know what I mean? I think like both pieces are so important in in our healing journey and in our mothering, you know, so give yourself some grace on those messy moments because they're unfortunately kind of needed sometimes too. Your kids are going to show up messy. You know, I think it's unrealistic to just be this perfect mom all the time. And then what does that pass on? A whole different bag of. <laughs> unconsciousness. It passes on unconsciousness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so Dr. Kotler, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Um, I'm going to be linking our previous episode uh, in the description of this podcast so that you guys can go listen to that as well. Um, will you share with my listeners where they can find you? Sure. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram when my nervous system can tolerate it. And <laughs> that's so here and there for me you. these days. Yep. Um, and that's at Dr. Kotler. If you are located anywhere in Canada, particularly in Ontario, I have a really exciting venture I am actually very aligned with today opening a clinic. It is Rennie, R-E-N-N-I dot C-A. It it will be very much a multi-system clinic where we will have trauma-informed therapists from the body and mind. So acupuncture, trauma-informed yoga, and the talk therapy version and we're really really excited about it we have an amazing team of about 15 people in a beautiful really hopefully healing space and so follow along that's coming winter 2023 congratulations that's going to be so important thank you thank you and if you want to read any of my writing um i have a blog that again if my nervous system can tolerate i write for (laughs) uh with psychology today named motherhood made real and i have a book coming out soon enough. Yes. So in all those places, you may see me beginning to launch that as well. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the book as well. And be sure Thank to you. send over all the information so that I can plug it over on my platforms. Um, Dr. Thank Tanya. You, Thank you again for joining me. I always enjoy talking to you. And this was an important conversation. So thank you for having it with us. Thank you. And Abby. Thank you for helping to support you, the mother. You are so welcome. And I love the rebrand. It's so fitting and important. Thank you. Bye.